Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. All right. Man, I am excited that you are here today with us in worship. And I am thankful to get to bring week three, part three of our summer reading series, uh, where we've taken some books, some current uh, books, like Christian books about things that we feel like you as a, as a church, as a, as a community of faith that you guys should, should read. Uh, we had those available for a while. They're still available. You can get them on Amazon. Uh, but we don't have any of them here any longer, but you can still check them out because we still would highly encourage you to check these out. And so uh, we're going to hit on one of those again today as we go through this series. And again, my name is Pastor Scott, an associate pastor here, and man, I am pumped to be able to bring to you today's message based off of the book. And again, we are not using the book. We are going to preach from the Bible, but we are using books as a hook to spiritual truth. And the book this week is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Sounds really aggressive, doesn't it? Really aggressive, really. You got to attack hurry. And so this is a book that's written by John Mark Comer, who's a pastor. Uh, Just a great book. And for this day and age and this time right now, I think it is something that we all need to be able to read and to look at. And so I would encourage you to check it out, uh, read it. There's a lot of just real easy, simple steps and application and things like that. So check that book out. It's bright orange. So if you look it up on Amazon, you'll know that it's the right book. Uh, But he also has a podcast out and it's actually on your your sermon outline there uh, that's called Fight Hustle and End Hurry. Fight, Hustle, End Hurry. It's a 10-episode podcast. Anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes is each episode. I would encourage you to check that out as well. Each of those episodes kind of deals with a different theme or topic from the book. And so uh, I want to make sure you guys knew about that resource that's available for you uh, as well in addition to the book. But here we are, part three, the ruthless elimination of hurry as we talk about it this week. And so here's a simple question just to kind of get us started. And that is this, have you ever been in a hurry and not paid attention? Many of you are like, yes, I came to church today, right? Like, this, this, is, this is how it starts. I, I, we were in a hurry. I, I've been there. I was there this morning. Like, you know, aggressions come up and emotions and anger and all those things. Because here's how I imagine a lot of people today, how you have gotten here to this point uh, at church on Sunday. The alarm went off. Did you get up? No. You hit snooze. And then, what, seven, nine, whatever yours is, later, you hit, it goes off again. Did you get up? No. You hit snooze again, right? Like two, three, four, five. Maybe you just turned it off and didn't listen to it anymore, whatever it is. And so you and your, you know, your spouse, maybe you, you wake up, you hear this, uh, you know, this alarm, you finally get up and you realize, oh no, we are in a hurry. And so you begin to do the things. You begin to you know, wash off because oh, I don't have time to shower and you start finding clothes and here's some on the floor. Those aren't that wrinkled and you put those on and then you get ready and you're getting your shoes on. We're like, all right, we're ready to go. Oh wait, we've got kids. Then you got to get them kids up and you start waking them up and you're like, yeah, they wore that yesterday. Nobody will know. And so we put it back on them and, you know, you run down the house, you know, out down the steps, you, you, you know, kids are getting their shoes on and everything, you know, dad's out in the car, <laughs> you know, trying, trying to wake again, we got to go, we got to go, we got to, and you get in the car finally, man, and then you're on this way here and you hit every single stoplight on the way here. You with me? You've been there, right? And so you go and you're going through these stoplights and stoplights. And then you finally, you know, get into the parking lot and you go to pull into a parking spot. Pastor Chris cuts you off and takes your parking spot right before you pull in. And you're like, oh, so then you got to go to the back of the parking lot right now. You get to the spot and you come in, you throw your kids towards the kids building. You don't even check them in. You just say go. And so they go and you come rushing in with your wife. You're arguing, you're yelling, I, I love you, but I don't like you right now. And you know, all these kinds of things. And you come in in the middle of the first song, you're like, praise Jesus. <laughs> worship him. You're in a hurry. 
And because you were in a hurry, there were so many distractions that caught you up in just the moments and angered you. And you come in not in a peaceful mind and heart right now, but you come in distracted by the things of hurry. Right now you're thinking, oh man, did I turn off this? Did I lock the door? Did we close the garage door? When am I going to have a conversation with my wife? Because she didn't talk to me on the way here because we were so mad at each other. But here's what I want you to be encouraged about right now. Take a moment. Pray to God for just one little minute, just a sentence or two prayer and say, God, allow me to forget about the hurry, the distractions, the things in my life. Allow me to rest right now in this moment as we open up God's word together. Because distraction is one of these things that it is everywhere. And so we're always in a hurry. And it leads us to, and we have these distractions that prevent us from experiencing what we're going to talk about really today is rest. Hurry distracts us from rest. So what's this connection? Hurry is the distraction to rest. Pastor and author Dallas Willard says this, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. There's nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy for, in a spirit, and for our spiritual lives today. It is hard to, have, to live a spiritual life and always be in a hurry. See, the spiritual life has a foundation that includes resting in or abiding in Christ. That we have to have these moments of, of solitude and silence and just presence with him. And we can't allow hurry to distract us from experiencing that. In this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, it actually there's this statement that says, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. Think about it when we talk about these, these things of the characteristics of the devil. He's out to attack us. He's against us. He's trying to keep us, you know, from doing everything we can for Jesus. And he's, and he's blockading us from having these great relationships or doing all these things. All of those things, you could just replace the devil with hurry. Hurry is blocking me from experiencing everything I have. Hurry is, is keeping me from having the best relationships that I can have. Hurry is keeping me from having a better relationship with Jesus. In Psalm 46.10, which is kind of the kickoff verse that will get us started today, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. Which leads to the very first truth, and that's this. Number one, authentic rest comes from removing distractions to clear the pathway to better understand who God is. Remove distractions to clear the pathway to better, better understand who God is. The number one problem that we all face in life right now and in, in, in life in general is time, right? We all feel like we don't have enough time. We need more hours in the day. We need more days of the week, more whatever. We need more time. But the thing is, is it's kind of the equaler, equalizer. It's the, play, the levels, the playing field. We all have the same amount of time. It's how we choose to spend it is what really matters. We all have so much going on. And we're just too busy to live emotionally healthy, healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives because we are too caught up in the busyness and in the hurry of life. In this Psalm 46.10 passage, it says, Be still and know that I am God. To be still, to experience solitude, to experience silence, to be present in the moment, to listen to God speak to you. We are so busy and have so many things going on in our life that we struggle to experience and be able to hear what God is laying out for us, what he is speaking to us, what he is sharing with us. And so we need to be still. Well, how do we do this? Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. That very first part, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
And it goes on, don't fret. You know, fret not over yourself, over the one who prospers, over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't worry yourself with the things and the people of this world and trying to catch up because I think so often we hurry to catch up with everyone else so that, or, or maybe even it's to outdo everybody else. Well, they're more successful. Well, I need to work harder or I need to work more hours. I need to spend more time at work. I need to outdo them. I need to make more money so that I can have better things and possessions and better vacations. And we look at all this kind of stuff and we, we think I need to catch up and I need to outdo them because, maybe, well, they're working a little bit harder. So I need to put more things into my schedule, more things on, uh, that take and consume my time so that I can experience that. It's virtually impossible, virtually impossible to live a spirit-filled life without solitude. We've got to set aside time. We've got to set aside time to talk to Jesus and to spend time with him. And we need those moments of solitude and of silence to just sit and to be in the presence of God, to rest in him, to abide in Christ. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented what? The light bulb. Now, the light bulb made it possible to stay up past sunset. How awesome is that? But before this, before this light bulb, the average person slept 11 hours a night. What? 11 hours amazing. That'd be like twice what I get, right? Like, you know, 11 hours. Man, think about it. But in the, here's the thing. In this same time period, since 1879, the light bulb was invented, and people slept 11 hours before that. Since then till now, 140 years later, in the same time period, we have seen the death of Sabbath rest in the American life. Not even just the American life, in life in the world. Some of you may remember, in, or at least know of, but until the 1960s, uh, the blue laws forced businesses to close down on Sundays. Sunday was a day that there were no things open. You stop by the grocery store on your way home? Nope. Got, go by McDonald's to get lunch? Nope. Nothing. It was closed. It was this government-mandated you know, speed limit on the pace of the American life. And so in one generation, Sunday evolved from the day of rest and worship to a day to buy more crap to go out to eat, to maybe even get jump-started on the work week ahead. We've gone from this day of rest and solitude and silence and being and spending time with God to this, this time or this day where we are running errands and just adding more things to our schedule and to be more busy. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, man, I got seven different things to get done this afternoon before dinner. Like, I've got to get these done. Otherwise, this week is going to be awful. And like, you may need to take a moment and just say, you know what? I need some moments of rest. Some time of solitude, some time of silence. So it said in this passage to be still and to know that I am God. So we've talked about being still, but knowing that I am God, to stop doubting, to be sure, to have faith, and to know these things about God, that he is the supreme authority, that he is love, he's compassionate, he is the bringer of hope, he is the king, and we need to know that he is God. Deuteronomy 4.35 says, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. No other. He is God. No one else. There is no other God than him. So Isaiah 43.11 says, I, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. The only Savior is the Lord. It's Jesus. There's no one person, no thing that can, that can match up to what he does and the salvation that he brings. There's not a relationship like a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's not a, a spouse. There's not a child. There's not a job or a career, a possession, amount of money. None of that stuff can match up to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Nothing. And so let's look at this next verse. 
Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And this is the verse that we're going to spend the remainder of our time in together today. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's some things here. If you got your Bible and, and want to underline some things, underline some things. Verse 28, come to me. I will give you rest. And then down in verse 29, you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. The question I have for you today, church, is this. Are you tired? Are you burdened? Are you tired of the things that you're allowing to just run your life? Your schedule is so packed with so many things that you think, I don't have time to spend with God. I don't have time to do this, to serve others and to love people and to you know, reach out to my neighbor, to share the gospel with someone and to do the things that we have this calling on as a Christian because I've got so many other things in my schedule. You're tired, you're burdened. It says all who labor and are heavy laden. So here's the question for today. What can you do about it? What can you do about it right now, today, as someone who may be tired and burdened, experiencing this labor and this heavy-laden life. And number two, second truth for today is this. We need to release in order to experience rest. We need to release in order to experience rest. There are things in our life that we need to release in order to experience real, authentic rest. You know the statement that we've all said, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. Here's what I would say. You're not too busy. You just may not have your priorities correct. It's an issue of priorities. We're never too busy for the things that we prioritize. You may have this busy, crazy schedule this week, and your kid says, hey, I've got, you know, I made it to the championship game. You're going to clear your schedule. You may have this crazy, busy thing going on, and then all of a sudden you realize that your team is playing on Saturday night. Well, all of a sudden your schedule gets clear. But what about when it comes to your time with God? We don't often want to remove some things in our life and our schedule to replace it with time with Him. We try to fit Him in where we already have slots available. But maybe we need to schedule it. Maybe we need to put it in there. And you think, you know, being too busy, and here's one thing I would just love to encourage you in. Try to take a week and just log your time on what you spend time on. Log your time and just say, okay, I did, you know, I did an hour of this. I spent a half hour here. I spent 10 minutes doing this or whatever it may be. If you're somebody that, uh, I'm just going to say everybody, we spend a lot of time on our phones these days. If you've got an iPhone, and I'm sure the other lesser quality phones have this, but you, uh, if you have an iPhone, uh, there is this thing called your screen time where each week it will tell you, you spent average this many hours on your phone last week. It was up 72% or whatever, and it tells you these statistics. I would encourage you, check that feature out. Use it for a few weeks, and all of a sudden, you'll realize, like, well, I don't spend too much time on my phone. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I average three and a half hours a day. You're like, three and a half hours? Let me tell you, that's below the average. It's below the average. So we need to release some things in order to experience rest. Because we've got all these things that come into our life, and we just allow them to distract us. And sometimes we don't even see the distractions coming when we're in a hurry. When I was in high school, uh, I lived uh, just on the uh, suburb of St. Louis, and um, we had uh, basketball practice when I was a sophomore in high school. I remember this. Uh, as a basketball player, I would come home, and then we had a little bit of time before we went back 
for basketball practice uh, in the evening. And a lot of times because my mom would be working, I would have to get myself to basketball practice. Well, uh, I would run to basketball practice. And so I would run and a lot of times like in the winter, like it was dark, you know, things like that. And so I would be running like uptown and like across these streets to get to the gym so that I could have bas- go to basketball practice. And there was this one time because I get up to this corner and I got across the street and it's like three lanes wide and it's all one way traffic. So I get up to the corner and I know I got to cross and I kind of go then go down a block or two more and I look and there's all these cars coming so I'm kind of doing this doing this and I'm watching I'm watching and all of these cars and then I start jogging because I see the cars are about to all go past and as soon as they all go past in a dead sprint and I turn and run square into a speed limit sign (laughs) and it knocked me out and I'm serious, somebody like came up, right? Like, like, are you okay? And like had this mark down my face when I got to basketball practice. My mom, I get home, my mom's like, what in the world happened to you? And I'm like, I was just in a hurry, right? Like I didn't see it. I never saw it coming because I was in a hurry and I missed the distraction. We get so consumed with hurry that we don't even see the things that are coming that could be avoided if we weren't in such a hurry. If we opened our perspective and our vision, we're able to see those things. See, we need to release the distractions from our life to eliminate hurry and to experience rest. Well, how do we do this? A couple little sub points from number two, letter A, release all we have. So we need to release all that we have. You see, we have too much going on and a lot of it are the wrong things if we're honest with ourselves. You know, we we tell our kids or you as a kid, we're told this, you know, clean your plate. But maybe we need to clean our plate of life because we've got too much on our plates. We've got too much going on, too many things filling our life and our time. So maybe there's some things that you have allowed to rule your day and ruin your rest, causing you to be in a hurry. Hurry and love are incompatible. You see, my worst moments as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, even just as a human, are when I'm in a hurry. Each year, I kind of have this goal to spend more time on the floor. And I don't mean more time on the floor like I'm injured because I'm getting older and things, things ache. But I mean more time on the floor, like with my kids. I want to spend more time on the floor with my kids and spend time with them. You see, to a child, we've all heard this, love is spelled How? T-I-M-E. Love is spelt time. They want to experience time and they want to be with you. But this is also between a Christian and his Lord, her Lord, to spend time with him. So how does Jesus help carry the load? In this verse 29, the term or the word that is used here is yoke. A yoke is a heavy wooden bar that fits over the neck of an ox so it can pull a cart or a plow. You've seen pictures of these things if you've not seen one in person, but just a a large wooden beam that goes over the ox to allow them to pull the cart of the plow. You see, in a shared yoke, one ox is stronger than the other. And the stronger ox knows the commands better and will guide the other oxen according to the master's words and according to what he lays out and plans out for them. And by coming into yoke with the stronger ox, a weaker ox can learn to obey the master's voice. We have been invited into the yoke with Jesus. We've been invited to this with him, with him, with the Lord himself, and he lifts the burden. He is the stronger ox, and we come under the yoke with him, and we listen to him, and we follow him, and we are guided by him. And that's how he walks through these things with us. The next thing is this, to release the full weight of our sin. What you give your attention to is the person that you will become, and for many of us, it is the sin that we are in. The mind is the portal to the soul, and what you'll fill your mind with shapes the trajectory of your character. The mind is the portal to the soul, and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character and the feeling of your heart. John Ortberg, pastor and author, says, hurry is not just a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. You see, it's about priorities. It's about priorities and the things that we think are important. So what is weighing on you today? 
What have you allowed to take hold of your mind and your soul? In this verse um, uh, in Matthew 11, uh, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees that are, that are witnessing and experiencing this, Jesus is calling these people who are weary and burdened, he says, to come to him. This is Christianity right here. This is Christianity, that you would give Jesus the full weight of your sin, that you would cast all of your cares, all of your burdens, all of the sin and struggle and trial and temptation, you would cast it all on him. That is Christianity. And these people that Jesus is speaking to are burdened by continually failing to keep the laws that the religious leaders had put before them. And the religious leaders, they just continued to pour out more laws, and then the people even felt more guilty because the weight became unbearable. It became unbearable. They couldn't, ha- they couldn't even handle it to the point where there were so many different rules and laws that were being laid before them. As I was listening to this, or preparing this message, I listened to um, a soundtrack from one of the greatest movies of all time, Rocky IV. Rocky IV. It is the best of the Rockies. Uh, Rocky IV. Uh, So listen to a little James Brown, a little Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, a little Kenny Loggins, obviously, because it's in the 80s, and he like wrote everything for the songs in the 80s. Uh, So I'm listening to this, and as I'm preparing this message, I was reminded of a few things. One, that you remember Sylvester Stallone, the stud himself, with the uh, yoke on his shoulders as he is running and marching through the deep snow, and he falls, and he gets up. So he's carrying the yoke if you're going to be in a yoke with somebody that need, you need strength, that's the kind of guy to be with, right? Like you want to be with him as he's doing that. So I was reminded of the yoke that he carried in that moment, but I was also reminded of all the other exercises and things he's doing to get in shape, to take on Ivan Drago, right? Like he was doing these sit-ups, these crazy sit-ups that he was doing that I just can picture it where he's like hanging off like the second level of the barn and he's lifting himself up and he gets to the point of exhaustion where he can't do it anymore. That's what these people were going through. That's what you and I are going through right now is that we have put and take on so much weight of our own sin that we get to the point of exhaustion. Instead of casting that sin and the weight of that onto Jesus, who is our Lord. You see, the religious people in Jesus' day made the weight of sin to become heavier and heavier until the people couldn't hold it up any longer. Why do we do this to ourselves today? See, Jesus is speaking right here to these people like you and me, and he says to lay down the weight of our sin and to let him pick it up. When Jesus calls us to give him the weight of our sin, we don't just give him some of it, but we give him all of it. We give him all of it. Some of you here today, you are holding on to sin and allowing it to hold you back. You have been released from the bondage of sin, the chains of sin, but you are still allowing, you're still allowing some sin to hold you back from experiencing everything that Jesus has to offer. And I am telling you today to release it. To release it. Which leads to the next part to release our complete inability to obey God. We do not have the ability to obey God on our own. And we need to release this idea uh, or this way we've been consumed with the inability to obey God. You're like, well, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I I can't obey. There's nothing I can do. We need to release that understanding. You see, we are unable to obey because of our sinful nature, but also because we are distracted. Did you know that by age 21, the average man will have spent 10,000 hours playing video games? And I say, man, loosely. 10,000 hours by the age of 21 playing video games. And the average adult spends four to five hours on their phone a day. This is adults, not teenagers. Adults, four to five hours. Check your screen time. You might be one of them. But four to five hours. Adults, do you remember the day, back in the, back in the day, back in the day, do you remember back in the day when you got bored? When was the last time you sat around and said, man, I'm just bored? I haven't said that since like the 90s, okay? Like, it's been a long time since I've said, man, I'm just bored. But when we were bored, we were more creative. 
We were more uh, intuitive. We were more intrigued. We were more physically fit. We were more spiritually fit. Because in those moments of being bored and finding moments of solitude and silence, we begin to think and to ponder and to meditate on the things of our life, on the things of this world, on spiritual things. We begin to become intrigued and begin to learn and to listen in to other people that may be talking that have more wisdom than us. I miss the moments of being bored. I miss the moments of, uh, of not having anything to do on a Tuesday night. I'm sure some of you are with me in that as well. You see, hurry happens under the weight of our sin, but rest happens under the supremacy of Christ. Let me say that again. Hurry happens under the weight of sin, but rest happens under the supremacy of Christ. The supremacy of Christ in our life is when we submit to his authority and we obey him. It's not just the weight of our sin that we give to Jesus because we give him our complete inability to obey God. When discussing obedience, though, it's important to know that the commands of God are good. Now, they can't be carried out by our own strength because why? We're imperfect. We're sinful. We're unable to obey God on our own and obey his voice because we are a lot of times just too busy to listen. We're too busy caught up in our sin. And see, here's the thing I want you to know and understand, that we are not called to kind of reform our own life and to, to be this, live out this, be a better person. That's not Christianity. You see, we are not being called to a greater moral effort. Jesus simply says, come to me. Verse 28. He says, come to me. Allow me to take it on. Allow me to fulfill what you need in your life. Don't be so consumed with trying to be better, more successful, because Jesus is saying, come to me and I will take care of it. The third truth for today is this, that we need to receive in order to experience rest. So the opposite of what we need to do in releasing, but we need to now receive some things. So we do need to release some things, but we need to receive some things. And you need to, in order to experience rest, you do not need to receive a drug you do not need to receive a mattress with a sleep number either. But there's some different things that you need to release. One of those is this. Receive everything Jesus gives to you. He offers us a bunch of certain and specific things, but we need to receive it and we need to receive it all. The solution to an overbusy life is not more time. It's to slow down and to simplify our lives around what really, really matters. When we rest in Jesus, he gives all he has to us. You see, as you hear Jesus' invitation, remember this, that he is the stronger one, the one who is able to bear the weight of the Father's commands. He is the one that gives rest to the weary. You're tired, you're burdened, you're weary. Receive that from him. Receive the rest that he offers. He is the one who invites us into the yoke with him, as we just looked at. You see, if there's a secret to happiness, happiness it's the presence in the moment. The more present we are to the now, the more joy we tap into. Love, joy, and peace are at the heart of all that Jesus is trying to grow in the soil of our lives, but all three of these are incompatible with hurry. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus, which leads to this next part. Letter B, receive the full pardon for all of our sins. So again, in contrast to releasing the full weight of our sin, we need to receive the full pardon for all of our sins that we have. Jesus' death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God. God's wrath is poured out on sinful people, but Jesus takes the wrath that's meant for you and me when he died on the cross. And in turn, we receive a full pardon for our sin. That is a gift that we need to receive. Some of you have received that. And some of you have received it, but you're not living as though you have received it. And what I mean is that you are still holding on to the weight of the sin from your past. Or you're still putting yourself and submitting to sin that's in your life right now. So that you're not able to experience what Jesus offers. 
You see, we give him the full weight of our sin, and he gives us this full pardon of our sin, because here's how it looks to God. We are counted righteous in Christ because he has obeyed the very law that we could not. We rest with peace before God. In Christ, we're free from self-effort, self-improvement, and the constant struggle to overcome sin, guilt, and shame. Jesus says right here in verse 29 that we will find rest in him. That's where we need to find rest. We need to surrender to the things of Jesus and quit surrendering to the things of this world to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our life because the hurry brings the distractions and the distraction prevents us from experiencing that. Letter C, to receive the complete ability to obey God. We need to receive this complete ability to obey God. You see, in exchange for our inability, Jesus in verse 29 says, take up my yoke and learn from me. You see, Jesus is saying, learn what it means to be my disciple and you will find rest for your soul. Learn what it means to be my disciple. Don't just be a consumer of Christian teaching. Like, don't just come and show up and take this in and forget about it and then come back next Sunday, hear some more and take it in and then leave. Like, there is a a process here and we need to not be a consumer, but we need to be a disciple of Jesus. We need to hear God's word. We need to learn from it. We need to meditate on it, obey it, and then we need to live it out. That's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. Discipleship is a, disciple, is a disciple who is someone who is following the teachings, life, and aim of another until the person becomes like the master. To be a disciple of Jesus is to do these things, follow the teachings of Jesus, his life, and the, his aim, his direction, his, his goal, until we become more and more like him. That's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about. So this is best done in a combination with others, like we're experiencing right now, like we experience in our life groups, which start next month, but also as an individual when we spend time with God in those moments of solitude and silence, studying his word and praying and talking to him. Being a disciple of Jesus requires discipline. That's not a word we like to use, especially when we're talking about ourselves. Like we don't, we don't want to use discipline when we talk about ourselves, but being a disciple of Jesus requires it. Discipline directs discipleship. Discipline destroys distraction. It does. It directs discipleship. It leads to discipleship, and discipline destroys the distraction. When you are disciplined, distractions are so much smaller in your life because you are disciplined, and you have a plan, and it is laid out, and you are disciplined to stick to the things of God and to live your life for Christ. And when a distraction comes in, it is a small bump in the road on the way. It's the small things that prevent hurry and promote rest in our life. It's the disciplines. In our daily lives, we have disciplines that we put into place all the time. School starts in another week. Parents, amen. Kids weep and you know, <laughs> mourn at this point. A little, a little over a week, but school's going to start. And you've got some disciplines that you do at home. You've got bedtimes. You put, uh, you know, for us, we, we, we lay our girls' clothes out. That's one less distraction we have to worry about in the morning. You know, we may plan meals out for the week so we know and we're not rushed to figure out what we need to get ready and have prepared so we can do food or whatever it may be. We have all these little disciplines in our life that we do, but we need to have the discipline of following after Jesus and spending time with him and scheduling that in as well. So in our spiritual life, we need to schedule this time to spend with God. We need to have a plan, have some accountability, some encouragement. Well, how does discipleship work when it comes to working with others, when it comes to being a disciple? We come under the yoke with Jesus, but we can also come under the yoke with a friend, a fellow believer who may be a little further along in their faith journey, to walk along and to have a a mentor or to be someone who is a mentor to someone else. When it comes to discipleship, one of the, an example that comes to mind is this. Uh, Anybody in here into rock climbing? Anybody? Rock climbing? 
I love the idea of rock climbing. I don't like the idea of rock falling is the problem, okay? Uh, I think it's really cool, people that climb rocks, I would love to do that, not doing it, but I would love to do that. And so like rock climbing, there is a person, when you are the rock climber, there is a person that has the rope, they're called a belay. And a belay is holding the rope so that as you go up, they will help you, they can help guide you, they can help direct you and lead you from, you know, from the side. And then if you were to fall and lose your grip and you begin to fall down, they hold the rope and they keep you from falling down too far. Discipleship is when you walk through tough times and you walk through God's word together so that when you have moments of spiritual struggle and spiritual falling and decline, that there is somebody else there to hold you up, somebody else there to lift you up. That's why we do, uh, you know, when we have church like this and we are here as a community of faith and a body of believers, but also even more so when we do our life groups and you spend time in a group with individual people and, you know, maybe it's a dozen people or five people or 20, whatever it is, and you're in that group, that you are there to pray for one another that you're there to lift one another up, to encourage one another, so that when you are going through your darkest, deepest moments, you can see it. You have somebody there with you. You know, one of the things we're unveiling next month is a discipleship resource, uh, along with our life groups in the middle of September, and we're going to roll that over over the next few weeks. I'm excited to be able to share that with you, Uh, so keep that in mind. But discipleship is something that we all need to be a part of. How is it that we find rest for our souls? Jesus in verse 30 says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus alone knows the Father. He reveals the Father and he perfectly obeys the Father. He enables us to do what we can't do on our own because he carries the weight of sin for us. When we're in yoke with Christ, we work in peace with God. We obey God, not by our own strength, but by the very strength of Christ. And in everything we do, it is Christ leading us, Christ guiding us, enabling us, and teaching us. Literally, he is living through us. And this happens because of the union that we have with him. Your fourth truth for today. We need to respond in order to experience rest. There is an invitation that is extended to all who labor, meaning all those who struggle and all those who are heavy laden, those who are oppressed, those who are carrying a burden. There's a couple different ways that you can respond with an invitation from Jesus. You can respond by repenting of sin, letter A. Don't be indifferent or unrepentant when you become aware of disobedience, but confess it and run from it. You don't feel the need to bear its burden any longer. So you repent. Also by renouncing yourself. Renouncing yourself. Come to the Father and throw aside your pride. Life is a series of choices. Every yes is a thousand no's. Every activity we give our time to is a thousand others we can't. So we need to renounce ourselves. Let her see, respond by resting in Christ. Come to the one who is gentle and lowly in heart and find rest for your soul. Every day is a chance. Every hour is an opportunity, and every moment is a precious gift. And then finally, respond by rejoicing forever in Christ. When you do come to Christ, rejoice forever in him. The rest that he offers is eternal. Now, here's what I want you to understand. We have the opportunity to respond each and every week here. Respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is simply this, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Sin prevents us from being in unity and in union with God. But he offers us a gift of Jesus Christ, his son who died on the cross for us. And so my hope today is that you would surrender to him by repenting, renouncing, resting, and then rejoicing in a forever relationship with him. There's an invitation right here to the weary, the tired, the burned out. Come to him and you will find rest. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we want to thank you for your son, Jesus. And Father, right now, I just want to pray that all of us in this room, God, we go through moments of hurry, 
and distraction and a struggle to find rest. Father, I pray right now that we would just lay those things down. That we would, we would realize that we don't need to work more or to make more money or to have more stuff or to whatever it is that we've filled our lives with. But God, we need to simply have moments of times of solitude and silence to not be in a hurry, but to spend time with you, to sit for a moment and to be able to hear you speak to us. God, right now, I pray that you're speaking to the people in this room as well as the people online. Father, they would know that their sin is preventing them and keeping them from everything you have to offer. Father, for those today that have a relationship with you, God, I pray that they would just surrender the things that are holding them back. Father, for those that don't have a relationship with you right now, I pray that they would surrender their heart and their lives to you by repenting of the sin that's in their life, by believing in you as the Lord who is saving them through your son Jesus on the cross. And right now, I pray that they all know that it doesn't matter where they come from, it doesn't matter the sin and the past hurts that are in their life, but all that matters is that you're encountering them in a very real way. Father, I pray that they would surrender to you today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.